get right into a new series for August. Um, and I was, um, thinking about, praying about, um, all that God is doing inside of our life, inside of our church. And God just, man, gave me this message. I really feel like he gave me this last Tuesday. I was, I was here at the church. I was seeking the Lord and praying. And I want to talk to you today at a, about the most famous verse, uh, most famous verse ever spoken, most popular verse ever spoken. And the top five verses um, that are, that are uh, on the top five list of verses, uh, let me open this up. The last one I believe is Romans number five is Romans chapter eight, verse 28. How many like Romans chapter eight, verse 28? You're like, that's an awesome verse. And then the next one is, if you can guess it, Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We know that. Then the next one is Jeremiah 29.11. How many have that on your fridge? Right? Jeremiah 29.11. Um, but today, as I get to the final verse, I believe today is going to be a day of transformation for our church. I believe in it. I believe we're about to, to, to uh, go into a new dimension. I believe that I'm about to go into, God's taking us somewhere. And today, this message is going to transform our lives. Uh, it's going to transform our church. It's nothing that I'm going to say, but it's what God says to our hearts, myself included. Because when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. So the series uh, is titled, So Love the World. So Love the World. And the, the, the next verse, the next popular verse is number two, comes in number two is Proverbs 3. Verses 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. But the verse that we're going to be looking at, and if we could all stand, is the book of John, chapter 3 and verse 16. So as you open there, if you could please stand up real quick, and we're going to read this verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16, and when you get there, say amen. All right, so out of the new uh, King James Version, the Bible says this. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send in his, his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why don't we go ahead and pray, Lord, we thank you for the text today. We thank you for the verse today, Lord. And I just pray right now that you would minister to hearts, that you would transform our church, our hearts today. I pray that you would do a mighty work inside of our lives and that your name would be glorified, your name would be honored, and we'll be sure to give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. Lord, we know we're living in the end times and you're coming very soon. And I pray, Lord, you'd prepare not only this church, but all the churches here, Lord, that have a heart to abide in you. I pray that you would minister to hearts and minds today. You would strengthen leaders, you would strengthen pastors, you would strengthen uh, workers, uh, volunteers today. And I pray that Los Angeles County would be revolutionized, God. It would be transformed, God. Downtown LA, Lord, uh, where there's human trafficking, where there's, where there's drugs, Lord, where there's, um, where there's uh, uh, sin, Lord. I pray, Lord, for Silver Lake. I pray for Echo Park. Lord, I pray right now for, um, for Whittier Boulevard all the way down, Lord. I pray for, Lord, West L.A., East L.A. Lord, I pray for our neck of the woods. I pray that you'd raise up men and women, Lord, 
who will go out and share your gospel, Lord, with boldness and clarity, Lord, not ashamed, Lord, not afraid, God, but you would give them the words to speak, Lord, and I pray that uh, our church would be part of what you're going to do, that we would be part of that great move, Lord, in this city. We know it's the city of angels. We know there's been uh, assault against the city for many years. But we know there's been a great revival in the Zeusa Street Revival back in 19, the early 1900s. And you use a, a man by the, a simple, humble man by the name of William Seymour um, to reach so many people. And it broke down walls, God, of racism, God, and walls of, of uh, prejudice, Lord. And you did so many tremendous things, God, in that revival. People were healed, people were transformed. And I pray, Lord, just the way you did that revival, you would do it again, Lord. You would do it again, Lord. I pray, Lord, even, Lord, as Billy Graham came in the 1940s and he preached in that tent down in downtown LA, I pray, Lord, that that way that revival broke out in the 1940s as well, that you would move in that way, Lord, in a tremendous way. And I also even pray, Lord, in the 1960s, the way you had the Jesus movement start, God, in the Calvary Chapel churches with all those hippies, Lord, all those drug addicts, I pray, Lord, that you again would bring a Jesus movement, God, a, a Jesus revival in our city. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that you would bring a great manifestation of your power and your presence. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would protect your people because we know it's a battle, but you already won the battle. I pray we would pray, we would fast, we would seek you, Lord. And we would just walk in our anointing. And all of God's people said, in the mighty name of Jesus, you may be seated. You're not going to be seated for long because after church, you're going to have to go out and tell somebody about this message. It's not, a old, it's not a, a new message. It wasn't a message that I came up with. It wasn't a message that I designed. It wasn't a message that any great Christian thinker designed. It's a message, a time-trusted message it is the gospel message. It is a simple message. It is a profound message. It is an anointed message. It is a message that can break down the walls of atheism. It can break down the walls of intellect. It can break down the walls of, of, of man's uh, wisdom. This message has confounded the wise from the very beginning when Jesus came to the scene, he broke down the walls of the norm and he transformed everything. Jesus transformed everything. And today we're going to be looking at our King Jesus and how he so loved the world. He so loved the world and he gave his very life for you and I. He died on the cross, and we could say about Jesus that he gave, like kind of us, how many of you ever gave your blood, your sweat, and your tears? Anyone? You've given your blood, your sweat, and your tears? Jesus, he gave his blood, he gave his sweat, and he gave his tears, and I'm so, I'm so blessed because we're going to be talking about the blood of Jesus, but today the worship team, without me even talking to them, they're going to be singing a song after the message, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I know who orchestrated that collaboration of sermon and worship. It was the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to lift up the name of Jesus and we're going to look at the blood of Jesus and how you and I, we need to value the blood. But I want to say something that we see in this text and that is that God, he loves you. 
For you that are watching online, God, he loves you. No one said amen. I don't know if the comments, someone said amen, God loves me, I sure hope so. But I want you to let that just get into your mind and saturate your mind. God, he loves you. He loves you. And God is love. God is love. And the first thing I want to, as we're going through this month of August, I believe that this is going to make us a church without walls. I believe it's going to make us evangelists that don't need to be at outreach, but we're going to be evangelists all the time. And I don't mean that you have a bullhorn on the street corner. I mean you could even whisper the message. And Jesus, he loves you. God is love. The Bible says that God, he is love. And we know that he's patient with us, and we know that he's loving to us. And, and that brings up the theological question, if God, loves, if God is love, how can he send someone to hell? It's a question that many of us have thought about, saying how can God, a loving God, do such a harsh thing to somebody? And I believe we should start here. Let's get to this first, and then we'll get to the next part of this message, but this is an important question. I think it's a question that we've all wrestled with. How can God, a loving God, send someone to hell? Well, I want to tell you a couple of things as we look in Scripture and as we look at the life of, of a, a, a very intellectual man who was transformed by the power of Jesus. But in the book of Romans chapter 1, we get the answer of how can God, how can a loving God send someone to hell. So go with me to Romans chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 18. And when you get there, say amen. amen. Romans chapter 18, verse 18, chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, ungodliness, of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Everyone say suppress the truth. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. Everyone say God shows us. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't got an excuse. You don't, how many know people that like excuses? Hey, I got an excuse, I got an excuse. Hey, this is why I can't make it to help you move, because I got a flat tire. And... But Jesus, God says that people, that mankind is without excuse before a holy God. Now, you ask, how can a loving God send someone to hell, that's a fallacy. And let me tell you why that's a fallacy. Because God doesn't send anyone to hell. We send ourselves there. So I want to tell you this. God in his grace has made us autonomous. We had the choice to come here today and we chose to come. We could have said, no, I don't want to go to church. We have been given the free will. We're not robots. See, if we were robots and God told us to love him, that wouldn't be true love. Because true love is found when we cannot love someone. 
The only way you can know if someone loves you truly is if they can choose not to love you at the same time. We're autonomous. God has given us free choice. God has given us free will. So you and I, God doesn't send anyone. He has made a way for, of escape that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they can be saved. They can be saved. And we live in a culture that's like non-confrontational, like, hey, we're all going to go to heaven. That's a universalistic theology that is not the word of God. We have been given the choice. Danny's given the choice. What to choose? Can I choose Jesus to be born again or can I choose to, to leave him? Yes, I've been given that choice. Like you, sir, who are watching online, like you, ma'am, who are watching online, you have been given the choice to tune in online right now. You could hit the end of the stream at any moment you want to. Why? Because you have that free will. You have that free will. Now, there's atheists who get mad. There's people who get mad. There's some of you that might be mad right now. And I think if we're honest, when we see this, we could go, God's unfair. But let me put you in this, uh, in this dilemma, okay, and put myself there as well. Imagine today, we just got done with the Decalogue. We got done with the Ten Commandments. According to those things, let's choose one of them. One of them is, do thou shalt not lie. And the Bible says that we're all sinners and that we're all deserving of God's wrath. And one of the things that is sin is lying is sin. And now if you were in a, in a, in, in, in court, a courtroom and the judge who we'll say represents God, the Father, and that you're there and you're about to be killed because you lied about an innocent man who died. You lied with your friends about an innocent man, he died, so you're about to go to prison for the rest of your life. You've been found guilty by the judge. The judge has found you guilty for being a liar. And you're going to be going to prison for the rest of your life. But then all of a sudden, someone walks in the room. There's an advocate that walks into the room. And he goes to the judge. He begins to talk to the judge. And the judge is looking. The judge is kind of confounded. And the judge looks at you and says, you have been given a plea bargain. Will you want to hear the plea bargain? And then you say, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go to prison for the rest of my life. What's the plea bargain? Tell me what it is. And he says, well, you are going to have to stop being a liar, okay? You're going to have to turn from that. And another thing you're going to have to do is you are going to, you're going to get an assistant. You're going to get someone who's going to help you and he's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And every time you want to lie, he's going to say, you stop lying. He's going to be with you every single step of the way. He's going to counsel you. He's going to guide you. He's going to be right there. And you know what else we're going to do? We're going to give you a good life. We're going to give you a peaceful life. We're going to give you a great life. And you have something very great to look forward to if you'll take the plea bargain. And you say, you know what? That sounds like a bad deal. I want to be a liar. And I don't want to turn from it. And then the judge looks at you and says, okay, that is your choice. You don't want to take the plea bargain. You're out of here. You're going to eternal damnation for the rest of your life because of what you chose. Now, I'm pointing back to myself with these fingers. And I want to say this to you. You and I, we choose. Jesus has came as an advocate and has given us a great way of what? Of turning from our sin. The judge, the righteous judge, all of a sudden what happens is the advocate, Jesus Christ, comes and he gives us a chance to turn away from our sins and be forgiven of our penalty and to have freedom inside of our life and to have an advocate who represents what? The Holy Spirit. 
What are you going to choose today? Are you going to choose heaven? Are you going to choose hell? Who do you love? Do you love God? Do I love the devil? I want to tell you, I want to choose God, and I want to go forward for God with all of my life. The point is this. You choose. See, God loved you so much, he gave you an opportunity to turn. God loves us so much. He, gave, he loved Danny so much that he gave me an opportunity to turn from my sin, send me the Holy Spirit who's indwelling inside of me, that convicts me of my sin, that keeps me on the straight and narrow. By God's grace, I am what I am. Why? Because of the mercy and grace of God. But God has no favorites. No favorites whatsoever. So the way God loves Danny, God loves you. But we receive it by faith. I believe and I know that he loves me. And it changes everything about me. But do you believe that God loves you? Do you know that he loves you? He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you. Do you believe that it comes by faith in him? So today when I tell you to turn, we must turn to him in faith the Bible says that God he loves us wow he loves us man that's awesome book of 1st John chapter 4 1st John chapter 4 and we're going to go verse 7 and when you get there say amen and we're going to go 7 through 11 And after church, some of us are going to go to 7-Eleven and get us a nice cold drink because we have the choice to go to 7-Eleven. The Bible says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. In this love of God was manifested towards us that God was sent he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a, to satisfy the debt of our sin. To satisfy the debt of our sin, what I mean by that is this, is that we had a debt that we could not pay that Jesus took away from us. There was a debt that we had that we could never pay that Jesus, he took away from us by shedding his blood on the cross. C.S. Lewis, he wrote these words about the heaven issue, the hell issue, choosing he said, on the day of judgment, there's going to be two classes of people. They're going to be those that God says to them, thy will be done. And then there's going to be people who say to God, you know, thy will be done. And they're both saying the same thing. What's the difference? What is the difference? When God says to them, thy will be done, they chose which direction they were going to go. But you and I, when we look to God in his word and we say to him, thy will be done, you and I were choosing life, you and I were choosing heaven, you and I are choosing by faith to accept his sacrifice on Calvary. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose, am I going to choose my will, the flesh? Am I going to choose his will, which is to deny ourselves, 
He loves you. He loves you. How does God his, express his love towards us? The first way that God expresses his love towards us is by salvation, by the gift of salvation. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own. It is a gift from God, not the result of work, so that no one can boast. Salvation shows God's love towards us. Isn't that beautiful? That God, he showed his, his love towards us. We can have salvation in our life. It's a free gift. We can't work for it. We can't make it happen. It's by grace we've been saved. It's by grace we've been saved. It is a gift from God. Another way that God shows his love to us is by calling us and giving us gifts inside of our life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. You and I were part of that family. You know, one of the, I think the coolest things about being part, one of the benefits of uh, being in God and loving God and him loving us is to be part of his family. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, how great the love he lavished on us. Have you ever seen like a, like a young couple, they're just lavishing gifts on each other? She's buying him cologne, and then he's buying her roses, and then this, and then that, and you know, us husbands are getting convicted right now, we have to go do that for our wives, we're like, oh man. And they're just lavishing. That, the Bible says how great is the love that he's lavished on us. I want you to think we can live lavishly in his love. Isn't that amazing? We can live lavishly in his love knowing like, man, I'm loved by God. I mean, whatever burden you're going through, once you know you're loved by God, you're like, I don't even care. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. I am loved by by the King of Kings, by the Lord of Lords, He loves me. And the Bible says that we can be called children of God. We're part of His family. We have an extended family. We have family all over the world. Part of God's family. We have, we have family. I know that Brother Ryan, he's working with some people in the Middle East. I know some of my mom's working with someone in the Middle East. I know. Pastor Daniel Martinez working with some people in Africa. I know our church, every month we send $500 to help out for the, for the churches in Africa. So we have an extended family in the Philippines, in Porterville, California, in New York City. We have a huge family. We're all part of the same team. Isn't that amazing? We don't have to be trying to, trying to fight each other, but we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He lavished his love on us. We're part of his family. He loved us by shedding his precious blood. Now, the book of Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for life. Now, when Jesus came... He came, and he came as the Lamb of God, as the Lamb of God, and he shed his blood for what? For us to have freedom from sin, for us to have forgiveness of sins, for us to be walking in, in, in right standing with God. The wrath of God was what? The wrath of God 
that was going to come on us, all of a sudden Jesus satisfied God's wrath. Instead of the wrath of God coming on us, when Jesus was on the cross, the wrath of God was on him for every, every sin that you've ever done. Now, that's good news for us. Why? Because we've been delivered from God's wrath. Whoa, that's a, man, I thought you guys were going to be jumping like, man, yes. How many of you, when you were a kid, your mom used to spank you? Your dad used to spank you. I remember my mom. I was scared of my mom's spankings. Wow. Mom, if you're watching, I love you, but that was messed up. No. You sure you weren't taking out your frustration on me? No, I'm just... All the, all the, all the, all the stress of the church, come over here, boy. The wrath came on me. But I thank God. I, it made me, help me out. It made me respect, the, respect elders and, and treat others right. And my mom was always big on, you treat others right. I don't care who they are. And so, but how many of you ever had when your mom was going to spank you, but then all of a sudden she just had a change of mind? And you just seen grace. You just seen a turnaround. You just seen mercy. And you are getting ready. You're like crying already. You're like, oh, God. You're walking to the room. Your mom is getting, and then all of a sudden a phone call or something happens, and then your mom forgets to spank you. And you've been delivered, right? But let me tell you this. God, he never forgot. He knew what you did. But God said, what happened was when Jesus died in your place, when Jesus died in our place, this is a beautiful thing, that wrath was taken away. And he said, your lawless deeds and your sinful acts, I will remember no more. So God in his mercy, he had grace on you. In his mercy, he, 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 he lets you off the hook. And now, what do we do now? Do we play with sin any longer? No, we don't. We can never forget what God's done. Do we go to the clubs again? Oh, man, things are going good. I'm going to go to the clubs in downtown LA now. No, you don't. Because you never forget about what God's done. What did God do for you? He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves you. Danny, he loves you. God loves you. For those that are watching online, God, he loves you. Sister Australia, God loves you. He loves you. Brother Dennis, I know you're watching. God loves you. God loves all of us, and even for us that are ministry leaders. Pastor Clem, God loves you. You're highly favored. God has a tremendous plan for your life. Tremendous. Sister Maria, God, he loves you in his infinite wisdom. We are loved by God. Brother Danny, Sister Sonia, God, he loves you. He loves you guys. He loves you. Brother Steve in the back, God, he loves you. You're special to him. You're not unnoticed by him. He loves you so much. He loves you. Brother David Romo, wherever you're at, God, he loves you. He sees you. He loves you. He loves you. Sister Christine Carlin, wherever you're at, God, he loves you. You're highly favored. You're called of God for great and mighty things. Wherever you're watching from, he loves you. You might say, Danny, how 
do you know that he loves you? His blood. His blood. His blood. His blood that was shed for us. It was a sacrifice. You know, as the worship team makes their way up here, when Jesus was on the cross, he was hanging there because he loved you. The Bible says that he was there, he was whipped, he was beaten, um, he was rejected by the leaders of his day and age. They made a crown of thorns and they put it around his head and they insulted him, they violated him, they spit on him, they insulted him. But he did it that for you and I because he loved us. He loved us. And this message, although men have tried to suppress it and extinguish it, it's never died. It's never died. Intellectuals have tried to reason it away. Men have fallen into heresies. People have rejected it. And there was even a moment where all of us here today, we all rejected it in our sin. Because all of us here today, we all had a part in this. The Bible says we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And God in his infinite mercy and immeasurable love, he died on the cross for you and I, for every sin, every lawless act that we've ever done. This morning I was at the barber shop and I believe God's taken us to a new dimension. But let me say this, the new dimension is gonna be easy for you to walk in. It's gonna be a paradox because it's gonna be easy, but it's gonna require faith. And what I mean by that is this, I went to a barber shop and I was there and this man, out of the blue, I don't really talk to people at the barber shop, but he just started talking to me. He started telling me things and, and he started saying, and he finally found out, what, are you, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And he's like, he was cursing up a storm. He was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. He asked me a couple of questions. But in his question asking, I'm not, this guy's asking me questions. I didn't even have to ask him a question. I began to share what Jesus had did in my life. It was so easy. It was so easy for me to do that. You know what it was? It was so awesome. Why? Because Jesus made it easy. He made a, a, an appointment with me and that man, Reuben, today with Reuben. I had that appointment with Reuben. And you know what happened? I began to tell him the plan of salvation, God's love, God's mercy, and God's strength. But what did it require of me? It required of me to step out in faith.
and to open my mouth. But it's kind of like God brought a fish right in front of me. See, God, what he's going to do these next months is he's going to start bringing fish right in front of you. He's going to bring people your way that are going to start talking to you in that moment. Don't be ashamed of the blood. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. The Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. It's the power in that message. It's the power. We can't rest on uh, our wisdom. We can't rest on our knowledge. We can't rest on our, on our apologetics, which are good to have. We can't rest on our degrees. We can't rest on how long we've been saved. We can't rest in what we have to do is when God brings someone your way, we're going to have to have the mindset that we are the church wherever we go and we're not comfortable in this building. What I mean by that is this, is that the blood of Jesus which saves us of all our sin, the blood of Jesus that was shed for Danny, that I'm going to have to be grateful and I'm going to have to give God props everywhere I go. I'm going to have to talk about the blood. I'm going to have to give God glory. I'm going to say, God, you know what? This month, but not only this month, I'm going to carry my cross. Lord, I'm going to carry my cross, God, and I'm going to deny myself the comfort of just being quiet and just, you know, kind of be in the background. Lord, I'm going to be vocal when you bring people my way. I'm going to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow you daily, God, because the way you denied yourself on the cross for me, Lord. And what I believe God is going to do, I truly mean this, I believe there's going to be a revival that breaks through. I believe there's going to be a revival that breaks through. You know why? Because believers are going to start picking up their cross at markets. They're going to start picking up their cross at parks. They're going to be picking up their cross as they're at school at work, at Disneyland, at Knott's Berry Farm, at the, at the construction job site, at the barber shop, at Long Beach State University, at Cerritos College. There's going to be people picking up their crosses and saying, God, I'm not going to be ashamed of you any longer, God, but I'm going to carry my cross the way you carried your cross for me to Gagatha, God, and you shed your precious blood for me. Let me say this, church, and for you that are watching online, young minister, I want to say this, our call is to represent Jesus and to be bold for him. It's not to hunker down to being popular or even to being well-known are to preaching those eloquent messages. It's not about eloquence, it's about power. And there's power in the cross. It's not about making a name for ourselves. it's about lifting up the name of Jesus. The way God was resurrected on the third day, the Bible says that Jesus, that he died on the cross, he was buried, but three days later, he rose again. He rose again and he had witnesses all over witnesses all over that the cross is not a symbol of defeat but it's a symbol of victory that God he resurrected from the dead and today I want to tell you will you carry your cross will you carry your cross will you carry your cross will you stop putting the cross in your closet 
are putting the cross down, are only carrying the cross on Sunday, can we carry the cross every day? Can we carry the cross till the day that Jesus comes? I believe that God right now is looking for people who carry the cross, who will put down their phone and pick up the cross, who will put down this world and they'll carry the cross. People will say, Jesus, I'm going to do all that you call me to do. Today, if we do that church in Whittier, guess what's going to happen? We're not only going to touch Whittier, I can guarantee we're going to touch the ends of the world. We're going to touch the ends of the world for Jesus. And he's going to be well pleased. He's going to be well pleased with us. And what I want today is I want to pray for a specific um, age group in our church. And, and I want all those that are out there, you can stretch forth your hands for this age group. And it's 18 to 33. I want you to come up here. If you're in that category of 18 to 33, I want you to come up here. And I just want to stand up here. And for you that are out there, what I want you to do is I want you to stretch forth your hands for them. And you might say, Pastor Danny, why are you doing this? And let me tell you why. I'm doing this because I know that there's an assault of the enemy against their life. And I know that the enemy wants to destroy them. And I know this. That last night when I was praying, you guys all came to my mind. And not that you're better than any other age group, because you're not, we're all the same. But I want to pray that God would touch you in a mighty way. Another age group that I want to pray for is all of our teenagers. I want you to come up here, all you teenagers, that you're, you're 13, 17, if you could come up here right now. Thank you, Lord, they're coming up. They could be sitting down saying, I don't want to go up, but they're coming up. Praise God. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And let me say this. You that are out there right now, we're going to need your help. We need you more than ever right now. And what I mean by that is this, is that you're going to disciple them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to pray for them. You're going to see God do. You're going to tell them about the miracles that God done in your life. You're going to tell them about what God done through you. And what we're going to need you to do right now is we're going to need you to come and stretch forth your hands behind them. If you could stretch forth your hands, you can help me pray right now. Oh man, there's such a powerful, powerful anointing here right now. There's such a powerful anointing here right now. There's such a powerful anointing here right now. Oh yes, God. Stretch forth your hands. Stretch forth your hands. And right now, I want you to start speaking in tongues. If you speak in tongues, 
I want you to start just praising Him, praising the Lord. You're going to feel things happen right now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is here and He loves you. He loves you. And right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lamb of God, we pray for an anointing upon them, God, that you would use them, that you would use them in a mighty way for your honor and your glory, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. We come against pornography right now. We come against suicidal thoughts and tendencies right now. We come against strategies of the enemy that will discourage them. We come against everything that would try to abort their destiny right now. We plead the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah.